How long was Neil Armstrong actually on the moon? When did Europe start speaking English? Did Marco Polo really go to China? CuriosityStream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, give the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com gift. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Custard TV podcast. I hope you are all well. Uh, it is me, Matt, back once again. It is Dawn Glenn. How are you, Dawn? How is Sunny Dundee? Reasonably sunny, actually. Yes, mm. but Dundee is doing well. I'm all right. I. Uh... Had a very exciting trip to Home Bargains this week. That was, I met up with my best friends and we went to Home Bargains because that's what we can do. We're having trouble finding Saturday nights. So to see each other, we're just going to have to combine two things and go shopping. Any interesting <laughs> buys, Dawn? Oh, I bought some American Fanta. That was quite exciting. Mm. Oh, peach flavoured Fanta. <laughs> 99 pence for a can. Everybody was like, why are you doing that? I was like, it's American. That's fine. Never let it be said you don't live on the wild side, Dawn. And uh, joining us once again it is Elaine. How are you, Elaine? Yes, I'm good, thank you. Um, it's slightly murky up in the north, hoping it's going to get a little bit better over the next few weeks. So I feel spring is in the air and yeah. we might be moving towards something a little bit lighter and brighter. Although everyone keeps still talking about the beast from the east, don't they? That this... <laughs> oh, it's sunny at the moment, but we're getting this beast from the east, aren't we? <laughs> Very exciting in our house at the moment because we're on a countdown to WrestleMania. My husband's going to WrestleMania in Los Angeles, at the, the home of Hollywood, in five weeks' time. So mainly in our house every day is a, um, how many weeks is it to WrestleMania? Oh, it's five weeks. How many days is it to WrestleMania? Still five weeks. <laughs> That's kind of how we're rolling in our, in our house. So, yes, very glamorous. This could be a podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. Today's reviews will be the return of Unforgotten on ITV1. Liaison, which is an Anglo-French crime spy drama on Apple TV+. Plus. The Diplomat, which is over on Alibi, and The Consultant, which is a new darkly comic thriller, I believe they describe it as, and that's on Prime Video. But first, um, Elena's our guest this week. What have you been watching on the TV box thing? Mm, I've been watching things that you guys have been watching, so it's really exciting to come on. (laughs) I've been listening to the reviews. (laughs) And and one of them, I'm completely at the other end of the review than than you are, so this is exciting for me. So I've been watching, and I've got to get, I'm I'm looking for my notes because I get the name of this wrong every time. It's Fleischman is in Trouble, which was on last episode. (laughs) I know, Matt, I know. (laughs) We've just reviewed our latest episode, and I talked about Fleischman is in Trouble there as well. (laughs) And I was saying, there was some 
some people who I really like and I really respect as, as reviewers, but they, they're at completely the other end of the spectrum. Can I just say to the listeners, Dawn has covered her face in her book at one point now. <laughs> <laughs> I really like Wait. it. I'm sorry. Explain your reasoning behind that. What did you see in it that we didn't? You were saying that um, rich people being miserable um, and privileged people seemingly having a terrible time, even though they're having a wonderful time in New York, um, is not not your bag. Um, well, I, and I I love that. <laughs> I don't know why I went into real psychological sort of like trying to pull it apart last night when I was talking to my husband about it. I was like, what what is it about rich people being miserable that I enjoy? Um, but for me, it's it's quick, it's witty, it's acerbic. I really like the relationship between uh, Jesse Eisenberg and his friends that he sort of finds again after a few years. And we were talking about how we would really like to be in the New York diner with them, sort of like shooting the breeze and chatting. And and also, I think that for me, there's and this might say more about me than anything else, but there's that sort of aspirational thing that I would really like a lovely apartment looking for Central Park. I'd probably decorate it a lot better than Fleischman would. I really like that sort of pretending that I'm in New York wandering down the street and being a bit miserable so I, I, I really really liked it I'm also watching Picard um season three not a massive Trekkie I have to say um it's it's sort of a bit of a lacuna in my um my tv watching but because I'm a child of the 90s I do remember coming home and watching a lot of the next generation as there was a lot of it I think there were sort of 20 odd plus episodes per season and once I stood behind Patrick Stewart in HMV in Newcastle City Centre and never never got quite over that so what was so, he buying LA do you know yes I do I do <laughs> this is like the greatest anecdote I have in my life which tells me <laughs> um, so he was buying an Annie Lennox a best of Annie Lennox CD Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he loves a bit of animals. But he was um, he was at the Theatre Royal at Newcastle at the time. I think he was doing some, some kind of Shakespeare or something, because that's what he does, doesn't he? And, um, and yeah, he was wearing a flat cap in HMV, but it was still him. When I heard this was a, a return to the next generation when you were having the the, the character, you know, your Dory LaForge, your Worf, um, your Jonathan Freights, Will Riker, um, and Patrick Stewart as Jean-Luc Picard, when I heard it was sort of like getting the team back together again, thought oh I'll just give it a go and I was sucked in I was there I heard the music you know engage all of those <laughs> so, so I was just there but I'm, you know I'm a complete nostalgia hound so I love anything to do with the nineties. anything that takes me back to that time simpler times and to that point should we just talk about the article you wrote for the Custard TV as well as that's a nice little segue exciting <laughs> it's my first ever <laughs> published work that's non-academic because I'm an academic in my day job so yes, we I, should, I uh, we've never referred to you as Dr Elaine Gregson to <laughs> no. give you the first actual doctor with apologies to Mo uh, that we've had on the podcast yeah but not a medical doctor <laughs> as I never use it in like my general life no. I think I'm gonna stop them having like a heart attack or something and I just won't I'll just stand there ringing the professionals uh, but yeah I do have a PhD I do a lot of writing academically but this is where I blame my uh, careers advisors from the 90s who told me that I should do like a science and not do all of the writing stuff that I wanted to do and I hated doing the sciences that I've always wanted to write um, pop culture and write about lived experience and that's a lot of the things that I'm doing at the moment are, are very much down that that route so I pitched the article to Luke I was pretty, I was terrified I was in a hotel in London when I did it and I think I was just I was just full of like oh I'm in London I'm in the capital. <laughs> what can go wrong I'm in a hotel lobby 
it's all very yeah it's all very exciting why don't I write to Luke and say I've got this idea for a for an article but when in our house we watch the repeats of Top of the Pops which are on a Friday night there's often a double episode started right from the beginning started from the 70s we've been watching it for for quite a while now it's really our Friday night night in slash night out on our sofa might get a takeaway you know sit down and and just have have a laugh and so we've been all the way through the 70s, the 80s, but now we're in the 90s and we've, we've reached 1994, which is the, the zenith. <laughs> we're about to hit you know, those girls and boys is in the charts. Everything's about to come round. And uh, yeah, it's just it's lovely. Like I say, for nostalgia hounds like myself, being able to watch that program and, and talk to people about what they were doing at the time as well. And so I, I wrote a piece about the joy of watching repeats of 1990s Top of the Pops and um, really uh, beautifully and, and very surprisingly, <laughs> Luke came back and said, yes, we will publish it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, a, absolute dream for me. I've not stopped going on about it, quite frankly. And the same. I always make time for those, those ones, especially, as you say, now. I know a lot of the songs. I know Dawn stopped watching it for the same reasons because she sort of dropped out in it in the eighties. I like how you're too old for nostalgic shows from like thirty years ago. <laughs> but the one thing it's sort of horrified me is that I know the words to a lot of Take That songs that I didn't know I knew all the words to. <laughs> And it's really interesting because they're, they're at a point where the Rick Blacksell's come in as the, as the producer mm. and he's really shaken up the show so you can see the difference in in the, the way the shows are produced. And he's got um, celebrities of the time to be the presenters rather than having you know, like Simon Mayo every week. I think it was last week or, or the week before they, um, they had Mark and Robbie from Take mm. That. And that's what they had to put on the screen. They didn't just put Marco and Robbie Williams because now we would just know who the, those people are. They had to put Mark and Robbie from Take That. <laughs> so it's just really interesting to see, like, culturally at that time, we've got to tell everyone who these people are. Baby Robbie Williams is like, because he's only, what, 18 there or something like that? He's so charismatic. He just, you know, and poor Gary Barlow. Oh, oh, it's terrible, isn't it? But poor Gary Barlow's dancing away on stage and you can just see the pain in his face and we know that he hated it because he wrote about it in his memoirs and he talks about it a lot now and he's, he's quite funny with it and he says oh yeah you know back when I was young and I had to do all the dancing but you can just see the pain the pain on his face and I feel so sorry for him. It seems to be very uncomfortable about having his chest exposed <laughs> yeah. unlike the rest of them. No, it's a lovely chest as well like it's <laughs> perfectly fine. Dawn what have you been watching? <laughs> I have uh, finally waded into the world of Apple TV, so I am up to my neck in Ted Lasso, and I love it. Absolutely love it. I mean, it is everything that I love anyway. You know, it's a, a, a sitcom which is uplifting and joyous and feel good, and it, you know, mixes American and British culture, which is something I'm obsessed with. And, of course, there's a lot of shipping going on in it too. I just think it's magnificent and I, I started binging it really fast but I'm now rationing myself to one episode a week until the, the new season We've only got a couple of weeks um, You know, everything that's been said about it is true, I can confirm <laughs> There's there's a lot of things on uh, Apple TV that I want to get caught up on obviously Severance will be the next show I'm Severance, watching <laughs> Yeah, Bad Sisters Slow Horses, there's a lot yeah. there I've, I've uh, seen, I've finished Bad sister of this week as well, actually, because I realised that there was two episodes 
still two episodes at the end I hadn't seen so I finished uh, Bad Sister that was good I saw the third episode of Funny Woman I was thinking that Funny mm-hmm. Girl, which was the name of the book. Um, still, the sort of the same, you know, what we thought of it, Dawn, you know, gentle, nice, warm, um, but nothing sort of breaking the mould. Um, also, and Luke will despair when he does the edit, but I have been getting into Channel 4's The Piano. I don't know if either of you have seen oh, this. Yes. Train Station Piano competition show hosted by it's much more claudia winkleman style this rather than the traitors isn't yes. it? i think that's what we were saying dawn when we reviewed the traitors is this is more the claudia winkleman we know being nice to people in a train station with mika and lang lang watching on i mean this week it's a moment that that absolutely had me in tears and it was have you seen have you seen this elaine um, i think i may know girl. what you're what you're talking about who's, who's neurodiverse yes. yeah and I think she's visually, visually. Yeah, so um, she had cancerous tumours on her eyes when she was it. born. You know, developmentally delayed and other other things. What they said was like when she was in hospital, she played like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star perfectly on this little plastic keyboard. So they got her lessons through this charity who help who work with blind children, and she learned how to play the piano and she played this like gorgeous like version of a Chopin song and it was just like it just killed me dead because just like I wasn't expecting it I had it on in the background and then was like oh okay wow (laughs) tears that is just like a genuinely like nice program about people who genuinely like playing the piano so does what it says on the tin but then she got selected as well to play at this concert that they're putting on Royal Festival Hall oh fantastic so yeah, so um, there are some of our suggestions and uh, mm-hmm. very much a mixed bag. Elaine, do you want to talk about uh, your podcast? Um, so we are the Honeymoon Period podcast. Uh, it's myself and my husband, Mark. If you're interested in our thoughts on the latest TV and film, because we do film as well, and you like to hear a couple bickering um, and talking quite a lot about wrestling at the moment, then check us out anywhere you get your podcasts. We're 126 episodes in and counting um our latest episode which was recorded last night but it's not yet edited um which will be my job for this evening uh, features reviews of the whale cocaine bear who knew i'd be saying that as the sentence um ant-man and the wasp quantum mania and then um picard and uh, as we've already talked about fleshman is in trouble so uh that will be coming out in the next few days can I ask you a question, Elaine, just because it's based mm. on something we were talking about before we started that you said you and Mark obviously don't go out together very often. Mm. You, mm. One of you stays in to look after your your son. So mm. how do you do your, your cinema watching? Is it one mm. of you goes out and one of you... <laughs> And sometimes it can be really, like it looks like we're in the middle of some sort of criminal transaction. So one of us will take said child and go off and do something with him. So we'll go play or we'll just have a lovely walk. And the other one will go to the cinema and then we will meet somewhere random and we'll do the transaction. So we'll swap. <laughs> the child will go to the other parent and the other parent will, will tootle off with them. And again, go and do some eating or go for a walk or, you know, get in the car and drive home and the other one will go to the cinema sometimes to see the same film <laughs> yeah but um but often like for example um i did not want to go and see the film about the bear it just wasn't for me um so i will say to my you know you you're fine i'll stay at home for a couple of hours you pop out you go and see it and then come back so 
Have you got any picks for the for the Oscars? Do you have any thoughts on the BAFTAs, which were last week? I was I was a little disappointed that Colin Farrell didn't win Best Actor, um, but I was happy to see that some of the supporting players for the Banshees of Inisherin, which was a, a film that I I didn't take to, to be honest with you, I found it a little bit boring, which I know is is terrible. But after it did stay with me for a little while, and I thought about it, and I thought the performances were good, but maybe it just wasn't speaking to me as much as it it was to others. Um, so I was a little disappointed that Colin Farrell didn't win Best Actor, but I'm a massive fan of Elvis just generally mm. one of the films and, i have seen yeah and just and that basler i love basler yeah. i love maximalism i really like going to the cinema and being blown away by entertainment and so i was happy that he got some uh, some credit there for for best actor um but yeah let's let's see where we go you can you can't work out where it's gonna go you think it's somewhere and then all quiet on the western front you know and a netflix film started taking away all the prizes and who knew that was gonna gonna happen uh, dawn over the shipyard nothing new at the moment hopefully after um me that should be when my co-host finishes her masters and uh, we shall be back on track then hopefully and she will be a master and <laughs> we can get back to our reviews and our a to z and it, it she it, i share my apple account with my co-host and so she was saying oh we have to talk about table apple uh, in the future so that'll probably be coming up once we get the time or once she gets the time to um not be in AC writing mail laser <laughs> what would you say the main ships in Ted Lasso Roy and Keeley which is it's not a drawn out ship they get together quite early in the first series but um I know a lot of people ship Ted and Rebecca I expected myself to get really into that but so far, I really haven't. I like their relationship. It's a male-female friendship, isn't it? And I think that's what I yeah, like about yeah. it. Yeah. I'll be interested to see what the show is doing in the third season, if they are going down that route or not. You know, it's one of those rare occasions where I'm not yearning for a ship. The show yeah. is enough without it, and I'm enjoying the relationship as it is. Surely the main ship is Ted and Roy Kent. <laughs> Ted and Beard. <laughs> Coach Beard. <laughs> There's quite a few things shows coming back with shippiness. You know, Picard uh, has obviously Beverly Crusher and Picard. Uh, Abbott Elementary next week has a big ship in it. So there's a lot of returning ships that we'll have to talk about, hopefully, once we... Um... Wake up at Holiday Inn Express to a can't-miss breakfast that's free with every stay. Count on all the hot, fresh coffee you need and an incredible breakfast buffet that has something for everyone, like eggs, cinnamon rolls, and even hot, fresh pancakes with all the toppings you crave. Next time, do yourself a favor and stay at a Holiday Inn Express with a can't-miss breakfast that's free with every stay. So, when you wake up at Holiday Inn Express, you'll wake up happy, a part of IHG Hotels and Resorts. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Get back on track. And um, where can we find your podcast? Because, Elaine, I don't think we got to that. Where, where can we find the, 
the honeymoon period. All of the various apps and and all of the podcasty bits and pieces. I never know what to call them. Um, but we can you can also find us on social media at the honeymoon pod. So we're on Instagram and for now because who knows Twitter. We are on the Shipyard GST on Twitter and uh, YouTube and Spotify and Instagram. And yeah, we're the Custard TV podcast. Again, we're on all your podcast apps of choice. Please rate, review and subscribe if you have not already. And as I say every week, if you would like to be a voice on the podcast, uh, please get in touch. We have got uh, the Twitters at Custard TV Pod, at Luke Custard TV, at Matt's TV Bites. Email is CustardTVReviews at gmail.com. We are on Facebook, just search the Custard TV and Instagram. It's the Custard TV. Uh, so, yeah, I think that is everything. So let us start with the reviews. And we are starting with the fifth series of Unforgotten, uh, the first series without uh, Nicola Walker's Cassie. Interestingly, we have uh, one massive fan of the show in Elaine and one person who's never seen a minute of the show prior to watching this, and that is Dawn Glenn. And just thinking there, Dawn, while you were speaking, that actually, would you say, Elaine, that this had a ship in it as well with Cassie and Sonny? Possibly, but I think in, in earlier series, there was perhaps a moment and then a not a moment. Mm. And yeah, and I was, actually, funny enough, I was thinking about this the other day and I think, you know, I'm so pleased that perhaps it didn't go down that, that route, that it remained a friendship. Mm. Because as we'll go on to discuss in this series, we're really seeing the extent of that that friendship and, and the depth of that friendship i suppose it'd be one where people were sort of wanting them to get together so maybe mm-hmm. they did that and i know sarah mentioned it after we finished recording last week that that scene where they kissed and then just actually that was weird we won't do that again mm-hmm. uh but yeah so this as every series of unforgotten begins with the discovery of a body a lot a long dead uh, body this one found stuffed inside the chimney breast of a house during a renovation uh, the day of the discovery coincides uh, with uh, D.I. Sunley Khan and his team being joined by their new boss. It's DCI Jess James. I've struggled not to say Jesse James, but there you go. Uh, who immediately makes an impact by demanding that the bricks are removed from around the chimney place. She also informs Sunny that she will be doing things differently than her predecessor. And if it transpires, the body is more than, I think she says, about two decades old. The team will not be wasting resources investigating the murder. Tensions between Sonny and Jess are further raised as both are going through their own personal problems as the former is still struggling to come to the death of Cassie, as we said. And the latter had just discovered that her husband is having an affair. These circumstances leading both to consider resigning from their roles as ever with Unforgotten, and I did not explain this to Dawn before uh, I I asked her to watch this, that the structure of the show is that we see the dead body and then we meet the... It's always four people, isn't it, Elaine, who are all, like, linked, but we don't know how they're linked until later on. So here we've got Lord Tony Hume, who's a decorated politician, played by Ian, is it Muckleherney? I never know how to say it, but that sounds, from, <laughs> that sounds better from than da- I would go. Grandpa Joe from Dairy Girls. Yeah. <laughs> Successful restaurateur, Belle. We've got uh, Carol, who's Polish, but he works a number of jobs in Paris. And then we've got Jay, who is a criminal drug addict. So they're all very sort of different people from different backgrounds. All will be linked at some point to this body in in a chimney i am fascinated first by dawn's reaction to this i think the other thing that i didn't mention to dawn and i don't know if you spotted this dawn is 
that the opening title sequence always has like visual hints to what's coming up in the in the that. series little easter eggs and i i did pick up on i have written a list which i'll go through in a minute <laughs> it has made me want to go back and watch the rest of the, the series i didn't watch unforgotten not because i didn't like it or i had literally never seen a second of it and somehow it just passed me by and i knew nothing of the structure there a lot of shows you know i haven't seen but i know how they work i had no idea about this but now i know i really like it i like this idea that you have introduced to these characters and as the series goes along you will find out slowly how they are connected and how they are linked to this and that it's one story throughout i, I really like that and i like the way that the, the they worked that obviously this is very different because it's a new uh dpi and she's coming in and saying we're not going to investigate if it's over a, you know, a certain amount of time but dc uh fran she really stuck to it and did her investigations and, and finds out no actually this is quite a, a modern day what i really liked was that it was proper police work she found it out by internet research by looking up a label on a on a dress and and something that I would find more interesting than the Sherlock Holmesy maverick kind of thing. Looking at it, the the uh, Sandy Fascar's portrayal of the you know somebody who's lost his partner. Obviously, I didn't know the full relationship he has with Kathy, but it really reminded me of an episode of Taggart from years ago. I love Taggart. And when the James McPherson's character Jardine died, the next episode, you know, we saw his partner, Jackie, uh, you know, he had a female partner, uh, how she was coping with it. And her boss said to her, stop doing this, stop dragging your feet, stop acting like anything. You're acting like his widow, not his. And then he stopped and couldn't think of a word. And I thought that was so interesting because it showed how do you define this relationship? It's so close but you're not romantically involved. You love them, but it, you, you, they're not family, and it's so hard to define. And so when that relationship ends, it's then so hard to explain how it makes you feel and how affected you are by it. And I thought they did that really well here in showing Sonny is coping, but when we see him sitting by our gravesite, that it seems like there's something so unresolved, not in terms of rom romanticism, but just how you cope with losing uh, someone like that. Well, the first scene after the credits where he buys two coffees, not even thinking about yeah, it, I think yeah. that, that perfectly sums it up, and that was a brilliant bit yeah. of writing. I liked that they didn't say it's been so many weeks, you know, or whatever since she died. They just revealed it through, you know, when they, he said, oh, we've had two interim BIs and DCIs. And, and also they begged me to I really love that scene where he, he's, she's saying oh did they offer you the job and Sunny says uh, no she said did you go for the job and he you said no but it. they offered to offered it to me they effing yeah. begged me for to take it yeah I really like that so it's an interesting dynamic they're creating obviously they will rub along better as the time goes by but I think it's it's well portrayed that he's going to have his back up to anybody and especially if they've had interim ones then they may be a, a, of all developed a feeling of you're not going to be here long anyway so why should it matter how we get along but she's going to be their permanent boss so how are they you know he's still got that barrier up of well we'll see how long you last and then we'll get to know you kind of thing and i love uh, 
seen in it. I've loved her since um, being human. She's great in it. Uh, I love the, the, you know, the scenes of her with Kate Robbins as her mum. I, I hope we get to see more of Jessica James's, uh, which is really hard to say, Jessica James's uh, home life. Um, and get to know her a bit more and her teaching husband. Mm. <laughs> Elaine, as a as a fan of the of the show, what did you make to this? You know, new chapter and everything. Do you think they sort of stayed true? I say they, Chris Lang, stayed true to the spirit of the show. And um, what did you think to Sinead Keenan? I I really do. I think from that first moment, you see the house and the cameras up above, and you're sweeping down, and the music comes in. I think the music's so important for this show as soon as I heard that do 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 that little motif and then the sad mournful sort of music it, it makes my shoulders go down because then mm. I relax and I think you know yeah. what I'm in good hands here what I, I love, love about oh, oh totally totally and it really talks about the nature of the show as well as really represents the show and what I love about the show is that it's very victim focused there's not a sense of oh we're going to find a body and it's going to be really like oh a body oh it, it's very much about what has happened to that person treating that person who has, has died some time ago with respect and then also looking at the complexity of what happens when time moves on? Where do people go to? Something has clearly happened in the past, but what has occurred to the, those members of, of society who were involved in that death? And I really like to see the diversity of the of the cast as well. The the people with a vegan restaurant, the person who's high up in society, someone who is when we first meet them, violently attacking people to get their mobile phone or their um their credit card to be able to pay for their very unwell partner who clearly is, is experiencing addiction issues. And and even with that, I was thinking, oh, that's you can see that this person who on the face of it is really awful because he's attacking people in the street and you feel for the person who's being attacked but then you're also you have sympathy for the situation that he's in where he's clearly caring for someone and you can see that there is there is good within but just in an awful circumstance and force within it so I I love that juxtaposition of all those different people and then as Dawn says that that slowness that real sense of we're not going anywhere quickly we are going to pepper bits of information we're going to gift you little snippets of information and you it when it's not going to come together quite yet it might not come together for a few episodes but it will and the jigsaw puzzle will will be put together i was worried about the change from cassie um to a new um a new partner for sunny and um i only know sinead keenan from one being human and two the cbb's bedtime story because she pops up there quite often <laughs> They have celebrities who read the bedtime story. And my husband's always like, who is that? And I was like, oh, you don't know. She's on Being Human. And says, oh, I don't know who that is. And so when I said, she's, she's so softly spoken about beautiful accent on the, the bedtime story. And it's so light. And I was thinking, oh, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. But what I love about the writing, and I think it's so much to do with the writing, we don't get a scene where, you know, bang on straight in, where in the police station and in she walks and Sonny's got his back up like you say and the rest of the team are all doing their eyes at each other we don't get that straight away we start with the cheating husband so immediately 
we have sympathy for her and we know things that the other characters don't. We can feel all the baggage that she's bringing with her to the station. And I think other shows would have just had it where in she comes and she might have slammed a door or she might have picked on someone and we will be like, oh, she's awful and we're going to hate her. But I really felt a sense of empathy for her and her situation and the idea that she's thinking she might have to resign. What's going to happen with the kids? And who is her husband? Her husband's just, given that he's said he's saying to her like I've cheated on you it looks like they're going to be breaking up you so he's not really giving her much comfort he's not trying to beg her to come back or anything and she's asking very reasonable questions like how long has this been going on for and mm. who is it he goes off to work and he doesn't call when he says he's going to call Ooh, you know he's really quite cold towards her so you do really feel that that sense of empathy and I think that helped me to like her as a character more especially when her and Sonny are really rubbing each other up the wrong way, which was quite painful at times. Mm. Where he, he just says, I hate her on the yes. phone and she's right behind him, which is a bit of a trope, <laughs> but it sort of works. I don't know if I got that empathy like you're talking about. I find her, I did find her, even in that scene, quite brusque a little bit. What I really liked about Unforgotten initially was how they were just cops and they didn't have anything going on at home. And you did get that as it went on. You know, they did introduce... The personal drama with Sonny's divorce, uh, with Cassie's father, uh, you know, getting dementia, the Peter Egan character. But initially it was just these are two cops who are good at their jobs and this is a cold case that they're trying to resolve. And I think the the drama piled on from case to case and how it affected Cassie. And I think that is one of the things I liked about Unforgotten is even though it's a new case, you can see the impact of the previous cases which led up to her, in a way, contributed to her death because she was just so tired by the end. Whereas husband cheating on her and this effect, it just felt a bit sort of cliche to me. I liked the whole thing about we are trying to get away from this cold case thing now. The stretching of police resources is very timely. Chris Lang said in his interview that he already had that focus on austerity. He started writing this in 2020. And obviously, by the time it's coming to the screen now in 2023, it is very much the focus. And they mentioned COVID as well. So it does feel very relevant. I think the best thing that it does, as you know, as you both mentioned, is how it portrays the grief of losing a friend. Uh, We were talking last week, obviously, about you and me and a lot of programmes that focus on the grief of losing a partner. But that grief of losing a friend isn't something that is tackled very often in drama. And I think, you know, they've got the luxury of having us seen this friendship over four series of a TV show and seeing how close they were and seeing how that is now impacting on his relationship with his partner, Sal, as well, you know, obviously impacting on his work, him not wanting to replace her, you know, despite that this would have been a higher paid job and everything. He does not want to be her replacement, you know, and I think all the characters they've introduced are very intriguing. I I like as well, I think, Elaine, this is the first time where they've been a sort of mixture of ages. In the past, they've all been of a similar age, haven't they? I mean, yeah, because they're all linked to knowing this person at a certain time. Um, You know, the first series we had, like, quite sort of respected older actors like Tom Courtney and Trevor Eve and Bernard Hill and then... You know, there was the series where it was all the friends who on the millennium yes. with like Neil Morrissey and James Fleet. That's the the series I really remember. That's a season three. And yeah. the scenes in that that have absolutely stay with me and actually stay 
with with Cassie in in season four. Mm. You can see the so I really like that Chris Lang doesn't just drop things. You can see even with, when we're talking about the grief here, it's not just oh it's been a few months and he's over it now. It can mm. you know grief doesn't go away. It just remains in in different forms. So you can see he likes to continue that that through, which is very realistic. And I like how even though we haven't got Nicola Walker, we've got the rest of the team as well. So we've got like Murray and Fran and people like that who are just like familiar faces. And that scene where Fran finds the vintage dress and it's like, oh, we're off to the races now and you're brilliant. And you just see that that sort of camaraderie between like the team, which I always like as well. So, Mm -hmm. no, there's a lot to like. I think, you know, we will grow to like this character, you know, Jess James. Dawn, all four series of Unforgotten are on ITVX now. Uh, so you can. I was actually watching the opening bits because, as I said, the opening title sequence. So I noticed the, the opening bit of there was like a group of chairs, like a Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. And obviously we got by the end, one of the characters is an alcoholic. We learned that. There's also there was like little miniature bottles of like mini bar bottles there was a lot of empty pill bottles, so that might relate to the, you know, the Jay character. I noticed a, a tax disc in there. There was like the chairs of like a jury. There was like the inside of a of a motorhome at one point, like a priest. Yes, I saw religious yeah. sort of iconography, iconography, and I thought, where's that come from? Right, okay, don't know about that, right? And then it ends with like a like a bed sit with an open door, and I wondered if it was the bed sit where Jay and his partner were living, or if it was somewhere else. But yeah, just after, I think it was like series two, which was the one with uh, Mark Bonner and Rosie Caviero. And I rem- I always remember that ended with like the, the image of the tent and just, well, what's that tent got to do with it? And then obviously you learn later on. So it's like, right, let, let's see where this all... Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that is another clever thing that, you know, you, you are playing from the outset with like, these are the little teasers of what's to come. And, you know, there's so much anticipation over all these little things. And I think... Chris has still done a really good job at, mm-hmm. at putting that together. One thing we'll have to talk about as well is the fact that this is all available on ITVX after it airs on Monday night. So what do you think of that, Ali? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Given that I was um, very, very lucky to have the opportunity, and it's something I don't take for granted at all, but so, someone who's able to to watch the programme before it's, before it's aired... I found myself watching episode two and a bit in the same vein as sometimes when I have a big pack of biscuits in front of me and I should only eat one or maybe two. And then I find myself eating the whole the whole thing. Uh, it, I can and, then, and then afterwards you think, oh, now I've got none left. Um, <laughs> you know, it feels very much like that, that I watched episode two and then I was like, oh, I was a bit sad for myself. <laughs> Why have you done that? You should have kept that too, because I, I love that. The, the unforgotten viewing experience with other people I want to be able to go on to the socials afterwards not during afterwards and sort of see what everyone's ideas are and and talk to people like yourself Matt who are finding the visuals and mm. I can't do that now because other people will have watched it before me um, and so it sort of takes a little bit of something away but it's very selfish it takes it away from my, no, my viewing no. experience uh, but also I'm, I'm worried that I'll be tempted to just watch it all in one go or watch it bits and then and then not take it in in the way that I think it was intended you know it works with something like for example the golds fine put that all on because it's a story people know it is something that works as a one story whereas this is very much an episodic viewing like you know happy valley we have that weekly brilliant absolutely brilliant 
I said this about The Tourists. I don't know if either of you watched The Tourists. That was very much a show that was episodic and you could have all these theories about what's going to happen next, but they put it all on the iPlayer and, you know, people watching it at different times. It just ruins things like that and it ruins, as you say, the communal viewing experience and less people are going to watch it. I think... The one advantage is that you can't watch ITVX on the Sky Q box every week. So it's harder for people to watch it as if it was on iPlayer because it relies on a lot of people maybe just watching it on their laptops or, you know, casting it to the TV. So that might be an advantage that people are still watching it on the TV. But I just think it is a shame. And I know it's one of the selling points that ITV are having for ITVX is, oh, you can watch all of this now. But I think for a show like Unforgotten, it, it... benefits having it weekly oddly they're not doing it with like endeavor and i don't think they did it with vera so it's it's odd what they choose to do it's normally less established stuff that's monday nights all on itvx moving over now to apple we have got a a show called liaison this is a anglo-french spy cyber crime drama Uh, one of my colleagues had to watch this twice to fully grasp the plot structure i mean to be fair i think we're all a little bit confused but dawn glenn took one for the team so she is going to try her best to set this up for us okay so we start with gabriel he is a military contractor of some sort he's at a party and he gets a call from his boss here in key west we were out before it was in in this open and inclusive paradise you can be yourself make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp. That's cbp.gov careers usbp. That there are some people in Syria who extracted to France, and he's the man to do it. Uh, they are hackers in some abandoned buildings in Damascus, and they have a USB stick that's in the form of a, a star. I don't know if that's relevant. <laughs> but um, they are attacked by soldiers, but they manage to escape, and Gabriel is going to be extracting them to uh, asylum in France. But turns out that the person who has hired Gabriel, Didier, who is a DGSE, which stands for the something, something French and uh, foreign intelligence. Uh, I don't know the exact words. Um, and he has uh, doing it on the side, uh, not through the usual legal ways they go, they go. The extraction goes a bit pear shaped, and Gabriel is taken by Russian soldiers, but the hackers manage to escape. And it turns out Didier knows one of the Russians, who is another military contractor. And so he he manages to uh, escape as well. He's And he tells his Russian friend that he is looking to get out of this life. He doesn't want to be doing this anymore. 
Uh, meanwhile, in the UK, the cyber security department of the government is hacked and the is a little animation fleet of London bridges falling down and Houston boots. No idea what the significance is yet. Uh, and of course, being the uh, cyber department, they claim, oh, it's just a kiddie hacker. It's insignificant. But uh, Peter Mullen is the minister for that department. Uh, he's not convinced, nor is his uh, assistant, Alison, who's played by Eva Green. Her partner is Albert, who is a human rights lawyer, very successful one. Peter Mullen wants Albert in the case of these hackers because after their failed attempt to flee to France, they successfully go to Turkey and then end up in Britain. No explanation why. Uh, <laughs> Apart from the <laughs> wife and baby who had, the wife and baby stop yes. off in a Turkish hospital. I, that was the moment where I thought, did I black out during this? And why I want to watch it twice because I thought. Why did they come to Britain? Okay, so they're now in Britain. They have an uncle in a hotel, and for some reason, they are trying to contact the head of security. They claim that they have hacked Assad's file and found something more interesting than they expected. And now they are shopping it around for their own safety because there is a plot of international uh, terrorism, which is apparently going to be unleashed on Europe. and. It seems like they know about it and they're afraid they're going to be uh, accused of it and it's not them. Gabriel is contacted by his boss and told these people are now in France, uh, in England, and you have to bring them back to France. So he goes to England and, again, I don't quite understand this bit, he chases one of the hackers, beats them up, but uh, leaves them unconscious, but he does manage to get the USB key of significance uh, and the British cybersecurity are struggling even more because there is an attack on the Thames barrier, which means that there's severe flooding in uh, London. Peter Mullen says this is the same person who did the cyber attack with the London Bridge falling down, and this is them proving they can do what they threaten to do. At the end of the episode, we discover that Alison, played by Eva Green, has a connection to Gabriel. She sees the security footage of him and does a very tropey take their glasses off and react. Uh, uh, uh. And at the end of the episode, she's standing in her uh, house and he is outside in the rain looking in and their eyes meet. So clearly they have some... Uh, they are the liaison of the title and they mm. have some history. We don't know what it is. Lots of water throughout this. It's very water-heavy, yes. isn't it? <laughs> Watching the rain outside, they play Teardrop by Massive Attack as well. Yes. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Very convoluted, really hard to know where you are with it, who's who, who does what, what's that person's job, What Pete, what's Peter Mullen's job, what's uh, Eva Green's job. I had to go and come back to this several times. It's the only one of the shows we watched this week that just not bored me but sort of maybe confused me a little bit you know obviously it's subtitle for some of it some of the subtitles are very hard to read because they were all in white again i don't know if this is sort of a pre-production thing some of it was really really dark in terms of how it was filmed and i struggled to see it especially with the you know the hackers early on when they're uh raided i suppose positives peter mullen excellent you know i would have loved to have seen this the series 
about him playing this really sort of surly government minister, threatening to fire people, not liking these sort of wine and cheese evenings and, you know, basically manipulating people. But what we seem to be getting is this sort of like sexy thriller. Vincent Cassell plays Gabriel and Eva Green. Obviously, two really sort of compelling uh, European actors, very attractive, and I'm sure, you know, we will see them in steamy uh, situations upcoming. But I think because there was so much plot to get through, I think you lost that, like, this is the, the, the big thing is these two together. And we didn't really know that there was a connection until, you know, what, 40 minutes in when, she, as you say, she takes her glasses off and looks at the picture. It is also directed by Stephen Hopkins, who uh, directed a lot of episodes 24. So there is that sort of feel to it. One of the best scenes to me is where Gabriel chases one of the hackers onto a London bus and then is confused by not all London buses when they stop. Uh, the doors open at the front, some just open in the middle. Um, and I thought that was actually a really good bit of tension because they're looking at each other on the bus and then he gets, like, you know, there's bits. And actually, I thought... Vincent Cancel, as I said, is such a compelling presence that you can't help but not follow him to an extent. And he's like this master of disguise almost. It made me think of Lupin at parts. You know, he's <laughs> pretending to be a homeless man for a second. And so there's lots of bits to it, but nothing sort of like slots together, which is a shame because there's a lot of people that I like in this, but it just felt like things I'd seen before. I just think whenever it's sort of like technology and stuff and and they don't explain everything, you, you just feel a bit lost, really. I think that's, that's it. And I don't think they did a, as good a job as they could, like establishing these characters, because we're struggling with the names. We're struggling with what they do. Yeah, it, it's one that, you know, I, th- I think is is quite forgettable, summing it up. What about you, Elaine? Yeah, I just want to thank Dawn for that recap because you told me things that I didn't realise happened in the show. I was like, oh, what did happen to the wife and child? I mean, I was um, uh, just peeped behind the curtain. I was on the treadmill watching this. I thought I'll stick it on. I'll put it in front of me and I'll have a little walk on the treadmill. So I was there. I, was, I wasn't anywhere else. I wasn't popping to the kitchen. I wasn't sort of like going up to the loo or anything like that. And I still really found it hard to to follow and like you say Matt that that darkness at the beginning I remember turning the brightness up on my tablet and trying to follow the the dialogue I thought some of the dialogue was really clunky um some of the things I know you've talked about Peter Mullen I love Peter Mullen but some of the things coming out of his mouth just didn't sound quite as realistic you know he was talking to one guy oh stop using metaphors and just not quite it just wasn't working for me it was a bit Um, of Malcolm Tucker in there as well mm -hmm. wasn't there (laughs) totally it sort of moved from that 24 I love 24 I had all the box sets you know on the on the wall and I really really could suspend my disbelief and I'm I'm all right at doing that but it moved from these really tense scenes of hackers and child in peril which I always find quite difficult and woman in the backseat trying to get through checkpoints and being chased by people with goods that found very very tense and then other points were like you've alluded to, Vincent Cassell's got a little hat on. He's hiding in the bin. His hat's brilliant, I think. <laughs> but yeah, like he's popping out for the bit, and I, I genuinely laughed. I laughed, <laughs> and I thought, oh, I'm quite enjoying this in that style of it's ludicrous. 
and I re- and I really like a 90s steamy thriller. So I I really love that very tropey. Oh, there's there's a there's a wall between us, and and there I am on the other side. Good old charismatic Vincent Cassell, beautiful looking Eva Green, and they're they're between this, and then there's rain, but it's not really rain. It's just wet. Wet is running down this wall. It's not like rain you've ever seen before. Someone's clearly got a bucket and they're chucking it over <laughs> this piece of glass, and they're staring at well, each other. She has issues with flooding as well, doesn't she? She put buckets down at one point. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the water motif is, is running right through it. But and I love that. I love that idea. And actually, <laughs> the bit that I am looking forward to is the bit where they get together because they are two people who are very charismatic, very good looking, and clearly they're going to be you know red hot in the, these these scenes of passion and and love that shouldn't be occurring because she's married to the human rights lawyer. Mm. That's who we haven't mentioned yet. There's another whole <laughs> element of the story that she's married yeah. to a human rights lawyer that Peter Mullen wants to exploit because. Gabriel's posing as a diplomat. The ludicrousness really appeals to me. And then you had that tension as well. But because I was being pulled from sort of like, oh, there's a child in a car and are they going to get through? And there's these people with guns. And then the next moment, Vince Cancel's popping out of bins. I, I just couldn't quite place it. And there was part of me, there was part of me that wanted to go on to episode two, but I just felt a little bit like tired by it all. Not just because I wasn't on the treadmill, but because I just felt a bit like, oh, it's a bit much can I take another hour of this and then another and another and is it actually going anywhere and I had read a review that was actually really quite scathing and very sardonic and really took it apart and I thought mm, yeah so I, I haven't gone on any any further. One of the things as well in the reviews that I've read they mentioned Brexit quite heavily and I'm like I didn't really get like if this is meant to be like the post-Brexit thriller I think what they they were trying to allude is that like England and France both want whatever's on the flash drive and you know if that was something that they were trying to get at it didn't really reach me. Uh, Dawn I think you know we know how you sort of felt about it. Did you get anything more out of it having watched it twice? No all all that I made me think was they should have picked one point of view and stuck with it you know Mm. if we'd stuck with the the two hackers followed their entire journey that would have worked if we followed Peter Mullen all the way through if we'd followed Gabrielle all the way through but changing the point of view from all these people just was so complicated as you say Elaine the tension of that scene with them getting through the checkpoint to, to Turkey it's completely gone because the next thing they see they're in London the women and the child are, are oh yeah by the way they're in Turkey they didn't need that at all any of that stuff even if the show had started with them being in London and find out through a, a briefing, okay, there's these hackers in London, we need to find them, France wants them, whatever, the city wants them, that would have been so much easier to follow. You know, it feels like it's meant to be Alison's story, but it wasn't enough of her to get a handle. She was, in fact, the first scene she's in, she doesn't speak for the majority of it. And then just suddenly goes, this is very worrying. Um, and I had to be, be Luke-esque and say, you know, about something that takes you out of the show. I found her acting took me out. Really, It was like somebody had forgotten to told her, you don't have to be sexy in every scene. You know, she was very smouldering and very pouty. And, you know, and I thought, no, you don't need that in this scene. There's a scene where she was meeting with Peter Mullen's character in a cat. And she starts holding his hand. And I was like, why is she holding his hand? He's not talking about something emotional. What's that got to do with anything? 
I, I really didn't want to do it. Alison was just like, no, really wasn't interested in her. I didn't find her uh, uh, an interesting uh, protagonist to, to follow and hear about why she had this. Obviously, she's had some torrid relationship with him, and, but now she's set up with the human rights lawyer. No, I just, there was just so, so much in it, and yet I got so little from yeah, it. Yeah, that's brilliantly summed up that I stone. And it's very odd, this just sort of appeared. Uh, we knew it was coming, but they they were very sort of cagey about what it was actually about. So I don't know if Apple weren't sort of happy with this one, if this mm. was one that they just sort of had commissioned and then like, okay, we'll put it out now and then we won't talk about it. And Ted Lasso's out in a couple of weeks, so we'll just like yell about that. <laughs> yeah, episode one will be there now. So uh, that's Liaison. Now we journey over to a channel we don't really discuss very much. This is Alibi, The Diplomat. Uh, it stars Sophie Rundle as Laura Simmons. She's the British consul in uh, Barcelona. Her job is uh, to fight to protect what they call DBNs, distressed British nationals, in what is Spain's most visited city. The first episode begins with the investigation into the death of Jay Sutherland, a young British barman working aboard a party yacht in the city's marina. The police ruled that Jay's death was a tragic accident. It's believed that he drowned after riding a jet ski under the influence of both alcohol and cocaine. However, when his father Colin comes to identify the body, he isn't satisfied with the explanation, stating that his son would never take drugs and is also mystified when Jay's watch, which uh, his parents gave to him for his birthday, is found among his possessions because he says he always wears it. Uh, Keen to quash Colin's theories is the new Consul General Sam Henderson, who is in a relationship with Mariana Cabell, who is legal advisor to the yacht's owner, Fabian Hartman. Laura isn't keen on Sam's eagerness to get Jay's body repatriated, but this is made harder when the police cannot locate the jet ski's master key, making them wonder how Jay was able to have driven the vehicle without it. So there's also a weird subplot about a serial mugger who's then brought down by a uh, hen party from Merthyr Tidville. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. Um, this is, I, I suppose, like... Alibi do have like new stuff as well. I know uh, we talked about Traces a few years ago with Molly Windsor and Martin Constant, uh, which BBC One actually did end up airing. Annika, I think it's called, with Nicola Walker, where she's on a um, like a lifeboat, is it? <laughs> Alibi do do these new dramas. This is from Ben Richards, who did a Show Trial most recently on BBC One. Prior to that, Cobra on Sky and the, and the Tunnel. Elaine, I'll go to you first on this. What did you make to The Diplomat? Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> was this the other one that was totally all over the yeah, place? totally all over the place. Yeah. Um, I, I came to this really wanting to like it because the people behind the show is World Productions, which um, are behind uh, Light of Duty, Vigil, Save Me, Save Me Too. You know, you can, you can list, them, list them all. So I had high hopes for this. And I really like Sophie Rundle as well. I really enjoy her performances and I thought she she was great in this I just thought the material it felt to me and having never seen it it felt to me like a death in paradise more than a unforgotten <laughs> let's say you know putting the, the two together it felt quite light and fluffy and 
like you say, Matt, that these weird subplots. Uh, there's there's a line about tourists being mugged that comes through, and then they're looking at the consulate about how we can really resolve these crimes against tourists in in Barcelona. And then you've got this hen party, and these women who then end up attacking the attacker and. And it's quite comedic, but in that sort of very um, Benidormy lightness. And so I was sort of thrown from from left to right. The new boss is having these steamy liaisons with someone who seems to be quite dodgy. And Sophie Rundle's trying to help this grieving dad. And it's very sad. And and I thought her and her team were very good. Her her, um, Mm. colleague Alba um, I thought their their relationship was was very well done because they're quite spiky together. And she's another comedic character, isn't she as well? But I <laughs> I just couldn't get away with it. I I found myself getting bored. I found myself thinking, don't understand where this is coming from. It. I have seen um the other shows that you've referred to, so Annika and and Traces, mm. and I think it is very much a, along those lines. And I didn't really go very far with those either. So it just felt a little bit too light and fluffy for me. I'm afraid. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But with oddly dark undertones and the suggestion that there's like this corruption this criminal underworld there's this you know this fabian who's this mysterious businessman having read like the press notes it seems as well that he'll be in a relation or that um laura will end up being attracted to him because she's she's got this long distance relationship with another consul man and you know they're skyping he's over in poland somewhere and he's just an odd one and the, the music in this as well it was really like weird i don't even know how you like orchestral like da- almost like dance music i don't know how yeah. you would describe it every so often it would just like <laughs> shoot into the shot like we've got this really sort of cheap off-brand music mm-hmm. that we need to pump in at certain points tonally that didn't work against what we were seeing on screen i didn't understand why these you know these welsh women were everywhere are these going to be characters you know it starts with the police talking to the jay's colleague who may or may not be a you know a reliable witness so you've got that like cold open and then you hit with exposition when sophie rundle appears in the airport with her mate watching all the hen party come in, guessing, uh, this is my job, this is my job, this is who this person is, this is who this person is. And then you get more characters and they relate, and it just it all gets a bit confusing for what should be, as you say, quite a light show, almost like a daytime drama. I know, I think there's the Mallorca files that BBC do on, that I've never seen a second of, but I, 
expected it to be a bit like that. And for actually a show set in Barcelona, I don't feel like we actually got a great deal of the city. It felt very much that we were inside a lot of rooms. And apart from, say, you know, the the opening and the bar and his death, you know, this could have easily been in any any city, really. I didn't really feel like I was abroad and they didn't make... You mentioned Death of Paradise. Didn't make, like, Death of Paradise takes advantage of being in the Caribbean. This could have been anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I actually thought that the stuff with the, the hen party, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really <laughs> original. This big tense moment, a mugger comes at her with a knife and she just kicks them to the, you know, to the ground in it. Um, there's a quite an adult uh, part of it, I won't mention. But I, that was something else I thought was really good, was it does feel kind of daytimey and, and light. And then there was some quite explicit talk of sex in the second, I did watch two episodes, and there was really explicit talk of sex. So I was a bit like, ooh, I clutched my perils at that. You know, I found that surprising with the tone of the show. I think if they'd kept with the light stuff, I would have really quite enjoyed that. If they had kept it this quite funny, you know, obviously a, a serious matter, but kept it in a light tone. But when we were getting the serious stuff with Fabian and the, oh, the you know, behind the scenes going on, it's just so samey and has been done before and is nothing original or well done. And in the scenes where um, his character is, is speaking to, to Laura and he's going, no, 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 we just want to put him on a, a, a plane back to England. We don't want to investigate this, do we? It is so clunky that he was saying, let's not investigate this because I'm corrupt. That was absolutely the worst part of it. So to to know that she's going to be in a relationship with him, ugh, <laughs> you know, that's just not. No, with it, with Fabian, no. It, no, with Fabian. Yeah. Oh, I think you meant um. No, 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 no. She uh, was reading. I uh, just reading the cast interviews because he is wary when she starts to get attracted to Fabian. This is Laura. Oh, no, that's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> But she had such a lovely boyfriend on the computer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so nice. A computer boyfriend <laughs> who doesn't want to have internet sex with her. Yeah, yeah there is this like, weird like, adult moments, aren't there? Because there's some scenes in a hotel which are quite raunchy. Yeah. And then you've got this idea of the friends put into her head, or you're not having, you know, sort of special time over the internet. And then she brings it up with the boyfriend. And then, Dawn, if you're saying that it goes into more sort of, you know, special yeah. adult time, that just seems, again, really, t- like if it was like that from the beginning, if we're like, right, it's going to be yeah. sexy. Like liaison. Be, yeah. You can tell that's going to be yeah, sexy, even totally. though. They're... Again, totally. no sex in liaison, even though there is. <laughs> no, I know. I was waiting for it, and it just more, no. More just sex scary. in this than in liaison. That's exactly, it's yeah. wrong, isn't it? Like, oh. so yeah, that puts me off even more. I'm like, oh no. Yeah, it just doesn't seem old. to sort of know where it wants to to be. Really, does it want to be the cozy, the death in paradise type thing, or does it want to be a bit more gritty? Like, obviously, you know, Ben Rich's list of shows are grittier aren't they I mean I, I think I caught a couple of show trial the tunnel obviously was the bridge so they have been gritty shows but maybe a lot of people have worked on this and it at some point it didn't it started to be something different than it ended up as alibi for that one or I believe the UK UK TV play is the uh, is the streaming uh, service for, for UK TV 
shows and finally we have got the consultant this is on uh, prime video it stars Christoph Waltz and Elaine is just going to walk us through the basics of this one. I'm really excited about this one because I get to talk about a character that has my name and no one ever has my name in (laughs) TV shows. Elaine works at a mobile phone gaming company called Compware, owned by Sangwoo. Sangwoo appears to have been some sort of child genius making um, computer games as a as a child, and now is the sole owner of um, games that you get on your on your phone um, and then pay for through in purchase apps or through advertising. Like Candy Crush. Yeah, it seems to be doing really really well, and it's all um, the, the surroundings that we find ourselves in when we see Elaine and also her colleague Craig who's a coder there it's it's all it strikes me as what google might look like you know if you went inside everyone's got their their desks everywhere there's lights everywhere it's all very neon um and elaine is taking a group of of middle schoolers around the building and sh- showing them what's happening and clearly doing like those visits that you do um with with school children and off they go into sangwoo's office and then it takes a, a very tragic turn Early in the episode, we know that Sangwoo has, has met an unusual end. And the following evening, everyone has gone. Craig can't sleep. So he goes for a run. Apparently, he's only down the road from the office because he gets there pretty swiftly. And he finds Elaine um, taking tiny little cameras out of the smoke detector. And she shows him how Sangwoo had, you know, the whole place bugged effectively. And they were all, all being watched. But there's no one else there. They're there. She's talking about moving. She's going to go to another company called Lobster. He's saying, oh, I don't really know where I'm where I'm going to head. But clearly, the idea is that the company is now, now no more. And then Christoph Waltz. Waltz is in unexpectedly he is the titular consultant and he tells them that uh, Sangwoo had engaged him as a consultant to look after the affairs of the company and although we're not quite sure in what capacity and how he's there he very swiftly moves himself in uh, Sangwoo's name is off the door um, in comes the, the new name of Mr Patoff which is what Christoph Waltz is, is called and he starts to call the shots he's telling everyone to come in at nine o'clock the next morning he's giving them um, that sort of very workplace speechy you are all valued which I liked uh, but he's also very very strange and um, in, uh, hum- humiliating people uh, discriminating against people so for example he says to all the people who are remotely working and you can imagine in that industry there'd be a lot of people who were remotely working he says to them well you've got an hour to get to the building otherwise you're you're all fired and we find those people are running through the door and then there's a colleague who's a wheelchair user who clearly cannot get to the door as quickly as everyone else and he says to Elaine she's gone and you you see Elaine sort of like looking through the through the door at this person and a colleague she's worked with and sort of shrugging her shoulders and not quite sure what what to do um and also finding that he's going around smelling people and he dislikes a smell and he tracks this smell down to one colleague who then is very much humiliated and is given a bucket of water to you know so he's 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 On the face of it, he seems quite professional and uh, like he's in control, but he's doing these these strange things. And we're left with Elaine and Craig using the cameras that had been hidden previously, trying to unravel exactly what has happened with this individual and how he's come to be in charge of the business. And very much at the at the end, they come across some footage that suggests that he wasn't someone who Sangwoo knew for, for a long time. He seems to have got him to sign paperwork very quickly. And then uh, there's, a, there's an event at the end that I'm not going to go into, um, 
which <laughs> you know but suggests that he was under some form of duress or that something very strange is happening and like you say it's this this very dark comedy with more of a push on the dark in in my view so that a dark show looking at the workplace and very much set in inside the workplace we don't go outside of the workplace very very much with these two central colleagues at the start i think of trying to work out what has happened and how has this consultant in inverted commas come to have taken over their their place of work dawn i, w- I want to go to you first to just say did you watch more than the first episode I did. Yes. <laughs> I, I thought so. After the series. <laughs> there was that three episodes. They are short episodes. Yeah, half an hour. So I watched the first half of the series. And I actually would have watched more, but I, I was interrupted. So I didn't. I probably would have finished the series. I was really gripped by it. And it's very weird. <laughs> that, it is very quirky and unsettling. And it leads in very dark. What I really like is their clues all the way through as you know we're talking about unforgotten the the clues in the title this has a lot of things where you go oh oh that's that's significant you know uh, in the first episode we see the box that the ian the the future smelling employee brings in is a soap box and the camera zooms in on the print on the box which says a shorthand for registered u.s patent office which reads as Red just pat off, which is the character's name, and so you go, Oh, hello, that's something you know, lots of sort of tingly. Someone's watched the usual suspects. Um, Christoph Waltz is amazing, it, it's what he does best that off kilter, very cold, very bizarre kind of character where you can't get a handle on him, and he does a maniacal laugh or smile, and you know, it's incredibly unsettling. It's, it's a very small cast, very, very small. It really is, even though I've watched you know, half of the, the series, really the, the main characters are Dosby and uh, Craig's, and we will say it, it's Craig, not Craig, Craig's girlfriend, Patty, is about the only other sort of current character. Uh, so it, it gives it a very small world feel. He's come in an, an interloper and changed everything. As it goes on, there is a really interesting, which I, I guess it's supposed to be the the metaphor for the whole show, is about what you will do to get ahead in, in such a, a competitive uh, world. I have friends who are in the, the gaming industry, and I know how quickly the companies start over. You know, within a year, you're working for a different company, and they're usually a, a break-off from that company, or, you know, that one shuts and another one forms. So it's a very insecure life. And obviously in America, um, even more so when you've got your things like your uh, health insurance relying on your job, to see how Craig and uh, Elaine will latch onto it to keep their jobs and what how far they will go, even though they want to expose who is this guy, what is his purpose and his nefarious uh, you know, background, but they will turn a blind eye if it means they get their uh, health insurance paid for the next six months. Which is really, you know, such an American thing. But I, I found it really um, captivating. Yeah, I really liked it. <laughs> I couldn't get on with it and I'm not quite sure why. Because <laughs> everything you're <laughs> saying is is correct. I think what I, I liked the most about it was, you know, and Elaine described it in quite great detail, the, the actual office space and this sort yeah. of bizarre, like almost theme park-esque 
where everything's lit up. It's sort of designed within an inch of its life. You've got these foreboding stairs where the Christoph Waltz character will not go up the stairs. He makes a point of getting Craig to help him up the stairs when he first meets him, and they've got this elevator that he uses subsequently. But what's that about? You know, as you say, there's all these mysteries in there, but I don't know if I cared enough to to really <laughs> find out what what it was all about. I mean, I, I said to Luke, like, this is very much going to be Christoph Waltz doing... Christoph waltzing everywhere as soon as he comes into the scene and it's like yes Christoph Waltz is here doing what he does best and um, very charismatic but very creepy but very overtly so you know the the sniffing of the neck I just found I, a little bit too off-putting you know I really liked uh Brittany O'Grady in um in the White Lotus and I thought you know Elaine was was an interesting character because she seemed quite warm but then at the end when as you say when her job was on the line she forced the is it ian to basically scrub himself down with soap and water to, to keep both of their jobs and i don't know if it didn't work for me but it didn't hit me and there just wasn't enough for me to to carry on it's that that weirdness which i think you liked i possibly just took against a little bit too much what about you Elaine? yeah i'm somewhere in the middle of you both actually yeah. because um dawn as matt says your description there makes me really want to watch another episode. And I agree with everything that, that you say. Um, I don't get on with Christoph Waltz quite as much as um, maybe others do, because I feel he's very one note now. Um, having seen him in, you know, Tarantino's, having seen him in Bond, I just think he's playing the same the same character. And I sort of went, oh, when he was doing this, because it's he's just, like you say, Christoph waltzing into, <laughs> into a show. And I thought, I'd, I'd really like to see him do something else, or I'd like someone else do this because now they all just kind of roll together I just feel like he's playing with a Bond Bond villain so I'm, I'm not quite as on board with that but I really like the themes I like the idea of you know what will you do in workplace culture what do you accept that you might not accept elsewhere the idea that you know you can um, do things indirectly to your colleagues and you know you're not necessarily the person saying it but you're going along with it and within the framework of that building that seems to be okay but we wouldn't see that as being okay outside of that workplace environment so I really like the, those themes it, it reminds me although it is it isn't severance but it reminds mm. me of the themes that a lot of play. people have compared it to severance I think because, I don't think uh, it is that no um the sort of the similar tone and it's because it's in a workplace I think maybe unfairly compared to severance because it's not the same it's very much more based in in the world than severance is I think my understanding is this is based on a book yeah um um I love a dark show I I'm not a comedy fan but I do like dark humor so I'm I'm now more, because it's the 30 minutes that's the other thing the 30 minutes makes me want to go on to the next episode and it's that, helpful, and that mystery it? yeah yeah and actually I, I said to my half I was like oh look I've watched this thing and I'm just not quite sure about it but I think you'd like it and maybe if we watched it together I might mm. you know and I wouldn't do that if it was another hour if I had to sit through another <laughs> another hour yeah. although you don't have sat through two hours of liaison or the same hour twice, twice. <laughs> like <laughs> twice yeah. I might watch another another episode because the mystery of it, particularly what has happened towards the end and the the level of what I presume is coercion or duress or how how has this consultant got his feet under the table? I'm I'm intrigued to to know more. 
say, I could tell watching it, it's a very marmite thing. You'll either like that weirdness or you won't get on with it at all, you know? And I, I, I can see that's one of those kind of shows where if it's not your kind of that off-kilter weirdness, nothing in it is going to save it. As Elaine said, it's, it's based on, on a book, but adapted by a, a British writer called uh, Tony Bazgallup, who... Um, has just finished wrapping up on Servants, which I've I've not watched, but it's another Apple TV show. M Night Shyamalan um, produced it, and it so it's a similar thing. So I, I I think that's why they're looking for people to maybe jump over who enjoyed Servants. Yeah, decide for yourself as you as you said. It just depends how much you're willing to go with it, I suppose. Is but I think a little bit different from everything else we've spoken mm. about today. So interesting show to talk about and that is us done uh thank you so much for listening guys you want to just uh let people know where they can find you on twitter and your podcast let's start with elaine first so we are the honeymoon period podcast you can find us on instagram and twitter at the honeymoon pod yeah you can get me on twitter at don blame too and uh, at the shipyard usb is the podcast I am at Matt's TV Bites, uh, at the Custard TV, at Custard TV Pod for the podcast, at Luke Custard TV for the site, as I said, thecustardtv.com. And yeah, you can reach us on Instagram, it's the Custard TV, on Facebook or email, it's custardtvreviews at gmail.com. It may be that we will be taking a week off next week and we will be back in two weeks uh, with, among other things, the return of Ted Lasso. Uh, but for now, that is it from us. And thank you and goodbye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.